man was a courtier, and I, uh, might have struck him. God blind me! Then it's a wonder they didn't just hang you! Indeed. They fell silent as they reached the city's gates, and then wended their way through narrow lanes, some little wider than the horse's flanks. The late afternoon light filtered down through the valleys of Canterbury shops and houses. Their second and third tiers overhung the streets, cutting short the weak light angling through the spring mist. They found an inn at the end of Mercy Lane, just a bowshot from Canterbury Cathedral, and Crispin left it to Jack to stable both horses and secure a room. Standing alone at the base of the steps to the great arch of the cathedral's west door, Crispin brushed the mud from his coat. There was little he could do about the state of his stockings with their mud and holes, but surely the archbishop was aware of his situation. After all, he'd asked specifically for Crispin himself. He climbed the steps and entered the vestibule. Cold stones surrounded him while the stained-glass windows cast rainbows on the floor. The nave opened before him, flanked on either side by a colonnade of impossibly tall stone pillars upholding ribbed vaults. A labyrinth of scaffolding clung to the nave's pillars with spidery fingers of poles and ropes. The church's reconstruction had been underway for years, yet didn't seem any closer to completion since Crispin had last visited nearly a decade ago. While masons worked, showering the nave with stone dust, artisans continued painting the stone runners, spandrels and corbels in elaborate colours and stripes. The nave was alive in colour and gold leaf. Every corner, every inch of every carved bit of stone smelled of new paint and varnish. He walked across the stone floor, his boots echoing. When he turned at the choir, he made a nod toward the northwest transept archway into St. Bennet's Chapel, a miniature church within the large cathedral, the place where Becket was murdered. He moved on past the choir on his right, and then ascended another set of steps, the pilgrim's steps, to the chapel of St. Thomas, its own little parish of occupied tombs and tombs yet to be occupied. Always room for one more. He couldn't help but turn his glance to one tomb in particular. It was overhung with a canopy of carved wood covered in gold leaf. He paused and walked forward to study it. A latter knight lay with hands raised in prayer over his chest. A crown encircled his helm. He did not lie with eyes closed, but stared upward at some unseen paradise, or possibly a battle, for to the silent night paradise and battle might very well have been one and the same. For a long time Crispin stood and stared at the tomb and at the polished figure of Prince Edward of Woodstock. He crossed himself, studied the face of the man he had known well, and finally turned from the sepulchre. A drowsy shuffle of monks echoed somewhere in the church. Crispin turned and stood for a moment, absorbing the sight of Becket's shrine in the centre of the chapel. The chapel's stone pillars created a circle about Crispin and shone golden with the afternoon sun streaming in from the many windows. Raised up on stone steps, the shrine was taller than a man. A stone plinth supported the wooden base, itself resplendent with carved arcades and fine decoration, gold-leafed, painted, as fine as any throne. Set above it all was a finely wrought wooden canopy hiding the gold and jewel-encrusted casket in which Becket's remains lay. 
The canopy was a proud structure of carvings, gold leaf, and bells. Ropes were fastened from the canopy to the center boss on the ceiling. By pulleys and wheels, the canopy could be lifted to reveal the casket's magnificence for the pilgrims who paid their fee. Crispin frowned. His eyes searched the shadows. The shrine looked the same as it had probably looked for two centuries. He turned to go when the sound of voices and scuffing feet stopped him. Pilgrims. Then monks appeared from the shadows and positioned themselves before the ropes and pulleys, ready to reveal Beckett's casket. His heart fluttered. How many times had he seen this tomb himself? But he was just as affected as the first time when he was a boy. The archbishop could wait. He wanted to look at Beckett's tomb, just another pilgrim in the crowd. Steps approached and the voices hushed. The pilgrims here to see Beckett's shrine.